Just a quick note here before I do the uh, podcast 41 here with Martha Ramirez. We're thinking about making some changes with communications. We have a Slack, but it's not really that active. I'm wondering if we should just abandon that or drop it off our mentions. We're using a Facebook group. I'll put links in the show notes here. And it's starting to be a little bit more active. We have some mentorship set up there as well that people could get into if you're interested. So I'm thinking about those changes. We're also going to be releasing a course uh, as a pilot in January based on what I used to do personally called the Open Flip. And uh, if you're interested, contact us. We're thinking about doing that a little bit more formal as the Flip Learning Network and using Edmodo as a platform. Let me know if you're interested. Uh, just a reminder, the Flip Learning Network is a nonprofit. We're always looking for support from the community. That can come through contributions to our site at fliplearning.org as a blog post or going and, and um, helping us edit or putting comments and, and working on the site. We'd like to launch a Spanish language site very soon. There'll be more news about that. You can follow us on social media. Uh, if you want to f- support us financially, we also have a Patreon set up. We can accept donations via P- PayPal. We also have an Amazon affiliate link, and there's lots of options to give us support and uh, see how you can help out. So on to the episode with Martha Ramirez, number 41. Here we go. This will be episode 41 of the Ask the Flip Learning Network podcast. I have the distinct pleasure of having Martha Ramirez here for our 41st episode. I had, um, I've been following Martha's work for a while. Um, in the flip learning community and and what she's posted on our site, as well as just lurking the internet and seeing what she's working on. But I had the chance finally to meet up with with Martha and many others just the other week, I guess it was two weeks ago now in Bogota at the FlipTech Latin America 2019 event. So welcome, Martha. Thank you, Ken, for having me in your program. So do you get this thing with the English Spanish thing? Like I want to say Marta, but then I say Marta and I'm, I'm getting all kind of confuddled with uh, translating names. Uh, how do you deal with that? Wait, well, you could say whichever. I mean, <laughs> okay. in Colombia they say Marta, in English they say Marta. Yeah. So it's fine. All right. I'll, I'll try to just mix it up through the whole thing. So why don't you tell us about yourself, Marta? I know I'm going to link the video that you did uh, the week before FlipTech where you talked about this, but how did you become a teacher? Well, okay, so I, well, I've been a teacher for more than 15 years, maybe 16. Um, and basically, I, I remember I wanted to become a teacher when I was very young, when I was in kindergarten. I have that, that memory of, you know, feeling happy and getting stickers and wanting to make other people happy and becoming a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, you know, I was like five. So <laughs> then I wanted to become a writer and become a singer and in the an end, astronaut I, and all those yeah. things. <laughs> and in the end, I ended up teaching uh, for a need more than, I mean, it was more necessity to, mm-hmm. to work. And then I fell in love with teaching. Interesting. Uh, so then I decided to, you know, to study to become a teacher. And uh, this became part of my well, became part of my life, became my profession, but I, I believe now it's a lifestyle. Definitely. Um, I watched the video. Where was the video taken again? The one before I'm going to my YouTube history here. And that event you did. Oh, I have it right here. Class Invertido Un Cambio de Mentalidad. Marta Ramirez at Puse Santo Domingo. And you talked about a research paper that looked into 
what the major factor for of students um, being successful in the class or staying in the class. And you talked about that. You kind of quizzed the audience to, to see what they thought the answer would be. Would you want to talk yeah. about what, what you think the, or what that result shows about the most important part of a class? Yeah, so basically, um, for, for a good number of years, I've read about motivational strategies. And there's, a, a, I guess, one of the experts, Sultan Dornier, I'm not sure if that's even how you pronounce it. Uh, she wrote a book, Motivational Strategies in the Classroom. And she's done a lot of research on, you know, what is that factor that motivates students. And what she found is that the factor is teachers. In the end, whatever, whatever you do in the classroom, the material you choose, the content, uh, the environment that you create for students, uh, the spaces you open for learning, and you're the person who's making these decisions. Right. So, so yeah, so that's, I mean, we are the center of motivation for students in the end. They do uh, decide to stay or they decide to check out if they can't physically check out, um, which I have seen. In, right. in, in classes and you know and in different settings mm, this brings me up oh actually I, this just came out like earlier today i don't do you know who tyler dewitt is no chem, he teaches chemistry and does youtube channel uh videos and he was actually the keynote for our FlipCon in allen texas he has this cool thing where he plays a piano and talks about motivating students and um i won't call persons out but um there was this person who said uh, it's not my job to engage. That is the job of the child. Literally their job is school. And then Tyler kind of called the person out on it. And so um, related to what you're saying with this research, what, what's your thoughts on the teacher's job of, of engaging and motivating our students? That's a really good question. I think I think, I think that is our job. I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. our, we have a lot of jobs. Right. We have a lot of jobs. Um, initially, there was a belief that the job was to teach content, but we know now that that's, that's not really true. I mean, technology nowadays allows other resources to replace us with that content. Mm -hmm. um, so I do believe that, I don't know if it's, you know, the whole engaging and motivating, if it's just being good people, being good mm -hmm. human beings. Mm -hmm. If you're a good human being, you care about your students. If you see that the student is sad, you come up to them and, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. um, if you have the opportunity to be, you know, maybe not a friend, but an, an ear for them or, you know, mm -hmm. counselor or whatever, I think that's important. And I think we do have that opportunity to to make a difference to that student in that teaching space with who we are. Um, so it's, it's a tough question to answer. I think we have, a, <laughs> we have a big responsibility, especially if we teach children, mm -hmm. you know, like if we're teaching adults, you know, they, they already have their personality and they can make other types of decisions, but a kid whose teacher doesn't even care um, or won't stop and listen to them or won't, you know, make an effort to, you know, wipe their tears, then, you know, why are you in the classroom if you're right. not going to care? Right. No, and no, I, I, I set you up for an answer that I knew I would like. And um, it's just totally serendipity. And I shared that that's my favorite word. Um, I was walking back here to my office from the classroom and 
it popped up on Android, this, uh, this tweet from Tyler talking about this. And I'm, I'm probably going to go into it a little more, but I kind of sort of remember being that teacher 20 years ago. And, and we all kind of see those teachers. I know it's not my job to motivate my students. They need to come motivated. Um, and I think that's just closed-minded of ourselves. That um, one thing I say is a lot of us aren't normal as students. We were all kind of destined to be teachers. So even though we might have been like the jerk in the classroom, like pissing our teacher off and, and a smart aleck, and I was definitely that, but we were good at learning and, and we knew how to learn. And I remember learning, I knew I knew how to teach because I always kind of helped my classmates. And like you, um, I don't know the details, but I just kind of fell into this job. I was applying for jobs in Mexico and I knew someone here and they offered me a job to teach high school mathematics. And I said, oh, sure, I can do that, whatever. And, and then I'm still here 20 something years later. Um, so I, I thought I'd touch on that because I think that is really important how we've changed as teachers. And I think it's our job as, as senior teachers to mentor our, our colleagues in that. And I, again, coincidence, I had someone in my office just before our, our call and um, she came to me and you talk about being kind of a, a therapist. We're not professional at that, but she came to me to ask me advice about another course that she was taking and had nothing to do with my class. And she was stressed about it and the exam was coming up and I was basically just listening to her and telling her I believed in her. And I, I said, I don't really know you that well. This is the first time you've been in my class and, but I can tell you're smart. And if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. And, just gave her support and she emailed me like two days later and said she went to the bathroom and cried and she'd never had a teacher like who just listened and cared. I don't, I don't think that's true. I'm sure she's had other teachers that do, but um, that meant a lot to me that I can be that person to help her. And I know that's probably going to engage her more in my class, right? It's more likely to say, this guy cares about me. He listened right. to me. I'm going to pay more attention to, Ken in Ken's class. And so I love how you said that. Wow. Yeah, and I think it's it's not about being uh I mean there's a lot of controversy on, you know, do teachers want to be therapists? We're not psychologists, we're not <laughs> psychiatrists, etc. And I, I guess and, and that's not that's not the discussion. It's more we need to, you know, we need to just listen. It's not about shutting students out. It's mm -hmm. what you're saying. If they want to talk, why not listen? That doesn't mean we have to take the responsibility of giving them advice about their lives or, you know, anything too serious. But I do believe that if they come up to your, um, to your desk or to your office to talk and you're not willing to listen, you know, that's going to have a big effect on them too. We don't well, yeah, have the, the responsibility of giving them the answers, exactly. but at least listening is, I think that's important. Right. I was, uh, this always makes me think about Stacey Roshan and the episode I did with her and engaging the heart and mind. And, and, and Kate talked about that a lot at, at our event. Yeah. And it actually takes me back to, to your point about we don't need to be therapists. And um, there was that previous episode with Jesse Stommel, where he talks about how all teachers should take acting lessons. Not that, that we need to be actors, but we need to be good at, um, at expressing ourselves with our students, being open with our students and letting them know what we're thinking. Jesse also says we should go to clown school too, but that's a whole different thing and you might want to listen and figure out why Jesse made that statement. Um, what about 
your Pecha Kucha and that other talk, you talked a lot about um, fixed mindset and, and and versus growth mindset. And we could go into what George Koros has written in Innovator's Mindset or um, any angle down that side of why why we need to kind of help our students get past that fixed mindset of I can't do this or but I'm not good at math or or whatever that kind of reaction we have into in class. Well, okay, so definitely, um, I mean, I got into this, this uh, new, I don't know, field of <laughs> including mindset in my teaching. Mm -hmm. um, because I was, I was impacted by George Carroll's Carol book, Dweck. Definitely Carol which Dweck. led me to Carol Dweck. And, you know, and then I read her book. And it just, you know, as it's these type of books that as you're reading, you're reflecting all the time and you're like, oh my God, this is so true. Oh my God, I'm not doing this. Oh my God, mm -hmm. yes, I am doing this. Or, mm -hmm. you know, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> exactly. So um, with this, with this book, when I, when I started uh, reading about Carol Dweck and knowing more about her research, it just struck me that, you know, how our own mindsets are reflected in our teaching in our discourse mm -hmm. in how we act how we react and so many things and you know that the fact that there is research that backs up how just changing your discourse to a growth mindset discourse with students has a big impact on you know their grades because they've done uh you know research on how this affects their grades but also how they what decisions they make when they're failing. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I think I felt like a calling. I said, okay, I think I need to, <laughs> I think, I think this is where I want to start focusing my own research on. Um, so when was this? When, when, when did you have this kind of epiphany and, and saw this light of, was it a couple of years back? Yeah, this was uh, maybe, maybe two two three years ago mm -hmm. and uh, so what i was well, so what i started well, probably doing when was, george's book came out exactly okay well yeah more or less his book came out four, right. no his book came out like four years ago but yeah okay let's say yeah, maybe yeah. three years ago and uh, and so i started this made so much sense to me that i started including mindsets in my teaching i i teach uh masters course on technology and flipped learning so okay you know i said okay the first thing i should start with is mindset and kind of set the mood for learning and kind of get to that reflection of okay we're all going to be open for learning we're all going to be in a growth mindset um and you know we're going to have the, i guess the best attitude to fail and <laughs> to make mistakes in this course mm -hmm. and i started noticing changes in my students and i was not uh, I, I wasn't collecting data, but I could see the mm -hmm. changes. I could see how they started changing how they talked to them, their self-talk. I, I mm -hmm. could see how they started referring to obstacles and challenges and their own colleagues. And I said, okay, there's something here. Like if I'm just putting a little piece of my course dedicated to mindset and I'm noticing a difference in adults who are teachers, Right. then there's something here. And so a year ago, I, um, I'm part of a research group at 
uh, Universidad de los Andes, which is where I'm working. It's a bilingualism and multilingualism research group. And I proposed if we could do research on English teachers uh, with mindset and, you know, see what happened, mm -hmm. what would happen after a course. And uh, we applied for a grant and we got it. And, you know, the group was like, you know what, this is a beautiful project. Let's go for it. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing this. Uh, I've been in this project for a year where mm -hmm. we designed seven sessions on growth mindset for public school teachers here in Colombia. And now uh, we're analyzing the data. We already collected the data. We observed classes. We gave feedback. We observed classes again uh, to some of these teachers. And, you know, now we're in that, <laughs> the, the tough data analysis process of, uh, especially all the qualitative data, mm -hmm. but we're yeah, almost you mentioned done. that in the Pecha Cuchu, and so I'm like, yeah. where are we on that yet? But soon, it's coming. We're almost done. It's coming. Now. Yeah, it's it's coming. Which which age it ranges or grade? Which grade ranges were these students then? Um, so these were these were teachers who work with elementary and high school, or okay. well, elementary and secondary okay. school here in Colombia. So they yeah different grades, like first grade teachers, eleventh grade teachers, eighth grade teachers, sixth grade teachers. They were mixed. I'm looking forward to seeing the results. This is super cool. Yeah, super so are cool. we. <laughs> and so, so how, what, what is it that you really see changing? Is it, is it that use of different specific vocabulary? Because one thing I picked up from Kate in, in our time together the other week was she really puts an emphasis on choosing the right or different words when we're connecting with our students. It's, it's not really to do with mindset, but she taught me to use playlist as opposed to to-do list. So I've been using playlist the last couple of weeks for my students each week. And they totally grokked on it. Like this, the students say, oh, so the playlist for this week. And I'm like, that change of word just yeah. made a difference. So yeah. um, is it that? Is it them feeling more confident in themselves or more confident in sharing with you? And their colleagues? So what we've seen from the data until today is one of the key changes does have to do with communication and it is how how these teachers talk to themselves, right? Their self-talk. Mm -hmm. So if they make a mistake instead of saying, Oh, I'm so dumb, you know, now they're like, oh, uh, I, I don't know, I haven't learned this yet, or right. I'm not, I, you know, I can't yet, or, you know, they're using yet, the not mm -hmm. yet, um, the own. but they'll, they'll basically rephrase their self-talk. Right, uh, and modeling. How, yeah, and how they communicate with their, with their students. And so something that uh, I discovered that, that, you know, impacted me in this uh, workshop that I did with them was that they couldn't differentiate empathy from sympathy mm -hmm. hmm. and so we did a lot of activities of like okay this is a bit you know if you say this what is this <laughs> right and they're like no uh, we're not sure is it empathetic <laughs> or sympathetic so then right. i had to go in and you know explain what empathy in in discourse uh, how you could see empathy in, in, in discourse or how you use it yeah. um and what we did discover is they used a lot of shaming shaming mm -hmm. was extremely common and right. this led we them to taught. that reflection of you know they were like oh my gosh how are we 
communicating with our students, we are shaming them. Right. And it and, puts up such a big wall and then they just don't yeah. want to talk to you. Yeah. So, so communication was huge. Um, and the other thing was just yeah, how they started seeing their own failures, you know, it was kind of, yeah, like reframing your conception of failure. You know, you mm -hmm. learn through failure. If you failed, okay, but, you know, keep on going. We have to be, you know, the whole resilience and perseverance. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's what we've seen until now. We still have a lot of data <laughs> that is being analyzed. Um, but also the observations, teachers, we have served some teachers you know, once, and then we gave them feedback focused on growth mindset characteristics. And then the second time around, we could see improvements. So we're, we're very happy. I mean, we're happy with what we have now, <laughs> whatever right. the rest of the data uh, shows. Just the process sounds wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and it's gotta be really nice to, to see the teachers seeing that making changes and, and even hearing or, or reading about their reflections, how may they may have changed as teachers in this process of going through the workshop. Yeah, really, as teachers, really cool. Yeah, as teachers and as, as people. I mean, they mm -hmm. did, they did uh, report that they were changing in their own homes, mm -hmm. with their husbands, mm -hmm. with their children, you know, mm -hmm. like not just in the classroom. They were like, whoa, this is really <laughs> making me think how I communicate and how I interact with other people and how my mindset, you know, uh, shows through what I say, what I do, et cetera. Right. I mean, I, and I, and reflecting back on the Ken 26 years ago when I started teaching here or 24, um, I was 26 at the time. That's right. Cause I'm 50. Um, I definitely know that my view of my students has changed after I had kids. And especially after my kids went to school and I saw what was going on in the school and the interaction with other parents. And, and I just have a different view of that. My students are, are a product of what happened to them in the school before and with their family. And, and like you say as well, what I've learned about, about pedagogy and about mindset and everything else has definitely affected how I've been a parent. So I, I, I like how you reflect on that with these teachers because it's something I've seen as well. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. What's next for Martha? Uh, <laughs> Besides getting this data out and where, where are you going next? Where's flip learning going in Bogota? Have we sparked some, uh, some triggers for people to do more and more as a group there in Colombia? Well, definitely. I, I think this year was, th there was a lot going on with flip learning this year. And I think the result could be seen at FlipTech because mm -hmm. there were a lot of Colombians showing mm -hmm. how they're flipping. And, and these Colombians, uh, well, I mean, there were, of course, people from other, mm -hmm. from other parts of the world, but um, a lot of them, Carolina Rodriguez and I had met them two or three years ago at a workshop we had given, or, you know, right. there was a lot of people who we had sparked that um left that spark for flipped learning and so it was just wonderful to see after two or three years where they're reporting research or they're reporting what they're doing in their classes and and we know that you know they they had a space with us to talk about it so it's just so nice to see that that process mm -hmm. um 
more and more universities are interested in flipped learning and more and more schools are interested in flipped learning. So I've been flipping for six years and I've been a consultant and I've done, you know, teacher education programs and workshops, et cetera, for mm -hmm. six years. And this year was just crazy. Like mm -hmm. everybody was calling me and I know they were calling also Carolina. <laughs> like we want a workshop at a university. We want a conference over here. Can you please travel? Can you go here? Can you go mm -hmm. there? Um, so it, I think it's, at least in Colombia, it's been a good year for flip learning. And there's, you know, there's still some months left for, for this year, but um, we've, we've tried to do as much just to get, you know, to get people to know what it is. Um, so I think, you know, what comes next is to keep, <laughs> to keep <laughs> spreading the word. And particularly in terms of mindset, I want to, I want to spread the word too. I want to, I want teachers to know what this is and I want them to, I guess, experience that mindset shift that I had when I knew what it was right. and that it made sense. And and you know, connecting with students is so important. It's so important, and for me, that's been clear. But after I learned about mindset, it's like, oh my god, it's even more important than I had even imagined. So after this research, what we want to do with with my research group is make the material open access. We want teachers, you know, to be able to download the material, to be able to use it, to be able to, um, you know, make these workshops in other parts of the world, or or in Colombia. Um, so we could impact other educators to become better educators and to become better people and to connect more with their students and, you know, just find that passion again that they sometimes, they sometimes lose, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess mindset, I believe mindset helps that because when you have a fixed mindset, you're, you know, you're so negative, everything's so bad and all the failures, mm -hmm. I don't want to fail and this is terrible and what am I going to do? And then mm -hmm. when you when you're in a growth mindset, you're you become more positive. Dweck doesn't say this, um, but Duckworth does in her book about grit. Okay. She, you know, she mentions she talks about mindset and how grit has to do with mindset. And then she does that parallel of being positive or being negative, you know, the, the fix versus the growth. And it makes so much sense. So it's just kind of, I guess it's spreading the positive vibes through this concept of mindset. Is kind of where where I see myself um, in the future. Wonderful. But you know, you never know. The future is uncertain. But that that's where I wanna. That's 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 the path I wanna take with mindset, and of course, continuing with flipped learning that has changed my life as a teacher too. Cool. No, you definitely need to. You and Carolina and, and others need to find more of you. Because it, it gets overloading when it's always it's always they're contacting you and it's like ah, I want to go to this I want to go to that I want to go oh, no I'm running out of time to do all the other things I want to do so you definitely need to to grow more Martha's and more more Carolinas to be <laughs> the the ones that are, other people are reaching out to for sure and I love that you that you talked about making sure it was open because my other ma massive love is is open source and open education and open educational yeah. resources and practices. And that's the conference I'm going to later this month. So, um, yeah, we should definitely talk more about how to make sure people are are sharing their things openly. Um, yeah. And how to do that under a Creative Commons license and all that fun technical details of making sure we're yeah, sharing yeah. openly. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been wonderful. And I'm already pushing up on close to half an hour. Where 
where should people go follow Martha and, and follow your work and, and contact you to see what you're doing? Uh, well, I have a website, um, uh, which is martharanides.com.co. Mm -hmm. And you know that I blog, I blog there and I, and I try to share what I, what I'm doing, what works, my reflections for other educators to not make the same mistakes I do. Um, or at least so we can be in touch with what we're doing mm -hmm. in our classrooms. Um, I'm also on Twitter at, at Martha Ramirez Co. Mm -hmm. And I'm on Facebook as Martha Ramirez. I'm on LinkedIn as Martha Ramirez. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. <laughs> I'm trying to be everywhere. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the main place to find me would be my, my website because it's, it's also linked to my Twitter. Um, you know, you can write to my email. So, so yeah, that's where we can be in touch. Cool. Thank you so much. So I've got these two questions I always ask. We'll see how it, it works. This is something I borrowed from um, Bonnie Stachowiak, who was on a podcast with Terry. And the question came in from Christian Friedrich. So it's like a US Canadian German connection. But I love these questions. So, um, or the first one and the second one I invented. If you remember, what's the first album or song or something you bought? Do you remember that at all? And what does it, is like the, the music choice or something have anything to do with your life as a teacher? I guess the first uh, CD that I bought, or at least that I remember that I bought, was uh, the Fujis. Cool. And, um, and well, I guess the connection I could make with teaching is, you know, I used to like rap a lot, like rap, hip hop, R&B. Cool. And nowadays I'm more into classic rock. I'm more into the Beatles. I'm more into, you know, I listen to uh, Rolling Stones. Um, I guess I'm more alternative in my mm -hmm. preferences. Um, and the connection I make with teaching is that the same thing happens as a teacher. We could like a specific style of teaching. We could like a specific uh, song, I guess, or strategy, right? And mm -hmm. then we, we, we need to open up to other styles, to other ways of uh, you know enjoying music or enjoying our own teaching and that means i mean learning about new types of music right and, right. and the parallel learning about new types of teaching um I, I i love the fujis i mean I, when i listen to them i'm like oh my god you know i want to sing and <laughs> dance and everything um but you know i listen to so many things now and i'm open to listening to so many other things and in the same way, that's how my approach towards teaching is. I, I do so many things that I love, but I'm open to always learning new ways and, and improving. Cool. I figured the music would work because you, you sent out that picture from a concert just the other day. <laughs> I was like, I'm so jealous. That's awesome. <laughs> and then the other question, Marta, is um, name a teacher or two or three that were very influential on you. And why? Okay, I could think uh, the first teacher that comes to my mind was my second grade teacher or third grade teacher. Oh, well, okay. Her name was Mrs. Douglas. I don't remember if it was second or third grade. And what I remember from her was that she defended me when I was being bullied. And I was being bullied because my mom had cut my hair mm -hmm. very short. So I looked like <laughs> a boy. 
And, uh, you know, at that time, it was like, it was an issue, right? If you had short mm-hmm. hair and you looked like a boy. Nowadays, we don't really care. People could have hair however they want to. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember that she, she literally hugged me. Like, they were making fun of me and she hugged me. Um, and she told them that if any of them would mess with me, she didn't use those terms, but um, mm-hmm. that they would have an issue with her because I was beautiful. And, you know, like, she used these terms and I, wow. I was feeling so bad. Um, she's like, and Martha's beautiful and she has beautiful hair and, you know, like basically don't, don't make fun of her cause she's special cause she's beautiful. Cause her hair is, you know, it's fine. Um, and like, I always remember, and I remember loving her. It was like, wow. you know, she, she, and it had nothing to do with teaching. She was a math teacher and mm-hmm. she, she used gay. And I remember, you know, her pedagogical way and she used games and she gave us prizes and it was I kind of I I used to at, at that time like I didn't do really good with math and I remember after that class I was like I, I became top in math and I don't even know if it has to do with the fact that wow. she used games or the fact that she connected with me hmm. as a person so yeah so I, I she's she's the first person that I can think of um and then I, I guess at university level I had a teacher her name is Emma Campo, and she she opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was a student, and then you know she worked at the university, and she worked at a different place. And then she told me she called me, and she said, "I want you to work with me, wow. because I know how you've been as a student. So I want you to be a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. in my team." Um, and when I look through, when I do that you know, when you look through the path of life and you think, okay, what decisions did I make? What, mm-hmm. uh, what places did I work in? This was a big game changer and I owe it to her. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. I yeah. love that. That worked out really well. Thanks for sharing, Martha. Okay. All right. You're welcome. Cool. We don't share the video of these, but it's, it's, this is why I love it. I can just see you going through different thoughts in your head. Remembering <laughs> back to grade two or three. Maybe it was a grade two, three split, who knows? But yeah, what a, what a great reflection on that. I love that. And it yeah. ties back to a lot of what we talked about, talked about today. So, well, thank you so much, Martha. Thank you. This Ken. was a cool <laughs> conversation. I'm looking forward to, uh, I'll be editing it later and I get to listen to it again. The Flip Learning Network is the original online hub of the Flip Learning community. We are a not-for-profit organization whose mission includes providing access to a wealth of tools, resources, and professional development opportunities. We hope to help educators build on the possibilities inherent in flip learning and to explore evolving student-centered instructional practices. We invite educators everywhere to explore the resources available at fliplearning.org and to contribute to the discussion through comments, questions, and by submitting your own posts. Indeed, the site is built on the contributions from flipped educators like yourself who write blog posts. We also encourage you to join us on Slack where we have an ongoing dialogue. More information on the site about that. You can help support the FLN by making your purchases through our Amazon.com affiliate link at fliplearning.org Amazon, or you can support us directly on a monthly basis as a patron at Patreon. The short link for that is fliplearning.org slash Patreon. Thank you.